Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Thank you again for joining me here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 36. That voice you just heard, yep, that is still Mitch Phillips doing the intro work for us around here. Can't thank him enough for doing that. He does voiceover work for Showtime and Fox. If you want to learn more about Mitch and where he does his work, check him out at mpvoice.com. Another week down, hard to believe that we're only a month away from the Ryder Cup. The teams are starting to take shape. I know that everyone is excited to see who's going to be getting the captain's picks for both USA and Europe. Lots of things are actually taking shape around here for the next couple weeks. We have some incredible guests coming up, one in particular that I think everyone will enjoy. Oh my gosh, I haven't even recorded that one yet. It's going to be insane. But um, I, I don't normally tease the episodes too much here. I kind of save that for Instagram and Facebook. But you know what the hell? Next week here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast, in honor of college starting up again, well, we have Coach Alan Bratton from the Oklahoma State University Cowboys. He led them to the national championship last year. We will talk all things OSU golf next week here at the Back of the Range. So stay tuned for that. Don't forget, every Tuesday is free Tal Tuesday on Instagram. So if you're not following us, we're at the Back of the Range podcast. We have these great caddy towels with our logo on them. We are just getting rid of them as quickly as possible. We want to get them in your hands so you can promote the podcast. Put them on your bag. Tag us on Instagram. That's what we need you to do. So keep a lookout. You never know. You might just win some free stuff. Just our little thank you for supporting the podcast. You know what else might actually get you a free towel? leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. So if you leave a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to us, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or even email it to us, ben at thebackoftherange.com. Hey, you never know. You might just get yourself a free towel that way. And there's all sorts of stuff laying around here, ball markers, divot tools, head covers, uh, koozies. There's, there's stuff all over the place. We're just giving it all out. So reach out to us. Let us know what you think of the podcast, and we'll send you something. Don't forget, when you tell people about the podcast, tell them you could find us in Apple Podcast and Spotify. Central Hub of the Podcast, where you can learn all about it, listen to all the previous episodes, head over to thebackoftherange.com. So on to this week's episode. Last week, we had Sheena Willoughby from the Dunvegan on the podcast. She previously owned this amazing pub in St. Andrews. Well, I recorded two episodes when I was there. So this week's guest is Hannah Fleming from the British Golf Museum. The British Golf Museum is located just to the right of the first tee of the old course. How'd you like to have that view at your job? Anyway, Hannah is the assistant curator at the museum. Pretty cool job. She's responsible for, well, she has a lot of roles over there, whether it's leading an outreach program to bring artifacts from this great game to schools all around Scotland, or perhaps moving trophies out of the museum for RNA functions, or perhaps giving the claret jug just one last polish before handing it over to Francesco Molinari. She really does it all at the British Golf Museum. Now, this is an episode that you might want to be in front of a computer for, and here's why. I took plenty of photos while I was walking through the museum to serve as sort of a visual supplement to this podcast. I know this is an audio medium and pictures don't necessarily help, but I'm going to upload all of the photos on our Facebook page and Instagram page. So if you hear Hannah and I talking about something specific in the museum, whether it be the claret jug or young Tom Morris's belt 
or maybe some old golf clubs, you might want to take a look at those pictures because they'll tie in nicely to the episode. All right, let's get started. Hannah, thanks for taking the time here at the British Golf Museum to join me at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's there's people here that are, are living in St. Andrews, whether they're caddies that are on the old course every single day or they're the, the gatekeepers to the, at the starter shack that get people out onto the golf course. It's the, the, the experience of a lifetime. Tell me about your unique job title here in St. Andrews. What do you do here? Well, I'm a museum and heritage assistant curator. I'm not fully a curator. But well, after this episode, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just it's, just, it's guaranteed, right? <laughs> you promoted me. Which well, I, I have I'm, that kind of power, you know, so. so you're... <laughs> I'm delighted by, by that. Okay. But yeah, so I work for the British Golf Museum. I'm... I'm one of the curatorial uh, team, uh, but we have responsibility for collections relating to the R&D as an organisation, as well as the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews. So that within the clubhouse, all of the objects, artwork, all the archives relating to the club's history, as well as the objects on display that visitors can see in the museum. Um, but basically my job is you know, to be a curator, you're basically there to look after the objects and make sure that nothing bad happens to them. <laughs> and um, I don't know what you mean by that, but <laughs> nobody steals anything. Um, and but for my role, um, I've, I do a bit of everything. To be honest, I advise on um, events and things like that, run events, create um, events for children and adults within the museum. We also do our learning and outreach for schools um, and that crosses over with our colleagues within the R&D as well. So there's a lot of crossover between between departments within the organisation. Um, so we promote the championships within schools. So it, with the amateur, the open championship um, and now the women's um uh, events as well the women's open and sure. um, in the future i hope we, we do that and the ladies amateur we are um do schools activities and basically i go into schools with the replicas of the championship trophies and do assemblies um, and really try and excite children in the local area of where the championship is taking place so it's a really so it's not just you that you run a museum or you take care of the objects you're not just making sure you know that the trophies are, are secure and lit right mm -hmm. and dusted and taken care of you're actually promoting the game mm -hmm. through the history and through the artifacts that that you have here yeah exactly that's what you know one of the aims of the museum is to do that and the R&D is to um, use its history to promote um, golf to a wider audience um, and our museum is perfect for golfers you know if you're already here in St Andrews playing that's great but if you're a non-golfer um, we also want to entertain and educate you and uh, th that's what our collections do but reaching outward as well as a focus sure um, and and the great thing about the, the british golf museum i've been in there it's it's a very um you know it's a small museum where you can you know run through there in, in an hour mm -hmm. hour and a half yeah, yeah. and the location couldn't be any more perfect you're oh gosh you're you're just right across the street from the old course on the first tee Exactly. You have a nice cafe up there. I mean, it's a nice way for you to, you know, break up a day. We're just pop in for an hour or two, have lunch, check out the museum. Mm -hmm. What are what are some of the exhibits that you have there 
that maybe aren't special or seasonal where they're just coming in every other month, maybe for the open or something unique, but what are, what's one of the exhibits or items that is really something that people should make a point to come see? Sure. We have, as you say, we have temporary exhibitions throughout the year, but our, our, um, sort of star objects that we have and that I would recommend people coming to see are, you know, we've got a full collection of golf clubs and for a golfer to see the development of the equipment, so clubs and balls, I think is really interesting because you imagine what it must have been like to use a hickory club and some people do come to Scotland and try hickory golf, um, which is great fun, but to see some of the best clubs in the world on display, so from makers like Hugh Philp who had a workshop here in St Andrews right next to the the links um you know he was really known as the best golf club maker in the world at the time or in Scotland um and is still so highly collectible and they're beautiful they're beautiful objects to look at um but also we have the oldest um known clubs in the world on display they're alone from Royal Troon Golf Club um and yep I saw that exhibit yeah. a couple of days ago and no other clubs from the period that they're from exist or that we know about. Um, they're from the you know the late 1600s, early 1700s. And they're remarkable to see them, to see the length of the clubs and how delicate the heads are. And then we have two, two um, heavy wrought irons that you know are perfect for just getting your ball out of any difficult situations. Sure. Um, and to see those and to think of just how old they are and the mystery surrounding where they were discovered and um, how they have come into our um, collections and through Royal Troon, it's, it's remarkable really that they're, they're still existing. Um, and also, you know, my favourite objects are the feathery balls. So your listeners might not realise that <laughs> the original type of golf sure. balls were made from uh, geese feathers stuffed into a leather casing. Sure. Um, and, yeah, so that side of things, the equipment um, and the development of that through however many hundreds of years, 500 years, is fascinating. But So b- before we get too far down the, 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 the line of, of all the things that are in the British Golf Museum, uh, we didn't hit on your history and how you started and got into working there at the museum. So how does one become a <laughs> assistant curator of the arguably the most famous museum of, of golf in the world? I didn't think that I would ever be working in golf when okay. I, <laughs> my parents, you know, were fans of watching golf on the TV and that's about as close as I got to playing golf or knowing anything about the history of golf. But I was, uh, I'm local to Fife. I went to school in Anstruther um, down the road and I came to university in St Andrews, did my undergraduate degree in um, art history and classical studies. Started in 2001 at the same time as Prince William and a remarkable number of <laughs> other women and men from all over the world who are all keen to be in St Andrews and um, be in his, his class. But uh, it was, I loved my time at university, but again, I, I think I maybe came down to the the golf course once, had no awareness once or twice, maybe go for a walk on the beach. And then after I graduated, I had been working in the best bakers in the town, Fisher and Donaldson, where you can get an amazing fudge donut. 
Okay, little little plug for them. We'll we'll, we'll tag them in the podcast. But always uh, looking I for a donut sponsor here in the back of the range golf podcast. Always loyal uh, to fishy D's. But I I thought well, I, can't, I don't want to work here forever. As much as I loved it, I am a, and I saw a job advertised at the museum, but it was a seasonal museum assistant, and I thought, well, I'll see how I go there. Previously, when I had been at school, I'd done a work experience at the local museum in Anstruther, the Scottish Fisheries Museum, and enjoyed that. And I've always liked going to museums and art galleries and have an interest in history, but I wasn't sure about working in a golf museum. But I quickly realised just what an amazing place it is to work. You know, on my first week here, I met people who had waited their whole lives to come to St Andrews to play golf even just to visit the town and and see the golf course and you know there are people who it is a pilgrimage it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and you know I'm I'm from here and um it, it was nice to come to a place where everybody was in a good humor and Absolutely. and work in a in such a top destination for St Andrews but for the rest of Scotland and we are we are the only golf museum in Europe um and so it's your chance really to discover about how golf developed in Scotland and then moved across the world and I then later on became a curator um in 2009 assistant curator and sort of had on the job training for my colleagues sure this is how you look after the claret jug, that kind of thing. Oh, we're going to talk about the claret <laughs> jug. I see you brought it with you here today. Um, no, you I did. I take it everywhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then did a, a, a museum's course at the university here in St. Andrews again, part-time. So we, I've, you know, did a postgraduate uh, diploma in that over two years. So working and also studying um, just sure. so that I had that sort of basis in museums. And although I've not worked in other museums, I feel I've got a great opportunity where I am and working for the governing body in golf, it's, you know, in this country, it's really gives you a lot of opportunities and my job is never the same. There are bits to it, like anybody's jobs that are, you know, the daily things to do, but it's so varied and I'm working with nice people in a, a beautiful location. So it's... You know, I'm pretty lucky. Not to make anyone jealous. Hey, you get your your office is right next to the old course. Uh, that's 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 pretty great real estate. That's pretty a uh, pretty great uh, location. But so you mentioned that you have the education, you have the 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 training for, to be a curator. Um, some of the items that you have in this museum are hundreds of years old. They're they're one of a kind. Can you talk about maybe one of the specific objects where you're, there is some care involved, where you have to um, move it maybe, or you have to do something like, what is that process like? Like if you're moving the claret jug, I know the claret jug travels all over, not just when the champion has it, but there's other replicas, obviously. Uh, there's, there's other items in the museum that are like I said, they're very old. You have to be very careful. Like, what's the process of getting something out? Can you give an example of one of those? Mm, yes. I mean, when you're mo- moving the claret jug, you're aware of its history. You're aware, um, even if it's our museum replica, you, you, it's still a museum object. And with any objects, ideally, you shouldn't be moving them too regularly. Right. Um, 
uh, but for cleaning purposes or as you say for events or anything else you 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 handle things with care and attention to detail I suppose a lot of it is common sense you know not leaving it on the edge of the table or (laughs) anything (laughs) like that Um, but and also handling objects with gloves you know museum professionals have always got gloves with them um, you're wearing them now which yeah. is really strange i don't know why that is but no no so. um yes and you know one thing that is really um tricky to move more so on the club side of things is you know the club have two meetings a year in may and september and in september they have what's called the annual dinner, which is at the end of the three weeks of the September meeting. And it's basically a prize-giving ceremony, but also the time when the captain changes from one captain to the new captain. And this is the Royal and Ancient Golf Club. It is. Um, And they meet. The the dinner is... There's so many members that attend that they have the dinner at um, the Fairmont Hotel outside of town and we as curators have to pack up all the trophies and medals that are normally kept secure you know in the clubhouse and take them up for the 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 dinner and having to maneuver a silver club a big silver club that has however many silver balls that hang on off the club was a, a memento of the captain's it's tricky when it dates from 1754 and you think, you know, I'm moving a precious object that normally if you were in a museum, you wouldn't be doing that. Well, it might move from one room to the other, but you're not putting, packing no. it up in a car and driving it down the, down no, the road. No, and, and we pack things carefully and to the best you know, of our abilities, um, but they're living parts of the club's history. So they aren't actually museum objects they're part of the club's life and are treated in in that way and I'm sure golf clubs around the world have trophies and uh, medals but for ours they're (laughs) particularly special um so yeah that always gives us a fright every year (laughs) are the balls all still intact and (laughs) hanging (laughs) hanging on the club but you know, it has to be done for 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 the members, and uh, it's you know being part of the club's history. Actually, can you give me a story about one of the experiences where you've had to move something that belongs to the club that was maybe one kind of a stressful um, scenario? <laughs> maybe maybe uh, you know, keys got locked in a car that had one of the trophies in where? it, or. or <laughs> Or anything like that, just like, you know, because everyone, you know, like, no matter how great your job is, no matter how amazing your job is, it's still a job. (laughs) And everyone's job at some point gets really stressful and it's not fun or things go bad. (laughs) No, we're professionals. We're, (laughs) we never drop anything. We never lose anything. Sometimes, obviously, we have things that have happened that you think maybe in hindsight, I would have moved that differently. Uh Luckily, I can say that I've never broken anything but that you know if if that does happen then it's something that you just deal with and sure um, but um i can't think of anything offhand of any drastic no horror stories that someone said no whatever you do don't do with this person there's anything like okay (laughs) sometimes you know when you're shipping the trophies um abroad sometimes things can um you know, it's always a worry that they make sure that they come back. Sure. Um, 
Now, how long have you been at the at the, at the museum? Um, this is my thirteenth year. Thirteenth year. Yeah. So. So some we're time. so we're going back. So you're oh five. So was your first open when it was here in two thousand five in St Andrews? I just missed that. Okay. Uh, first open was um, in St Andrews was two thousand and ten. Oh, okay, and right. That's when Ustazen mm-hmm. won. Yeah, and it was really really busy, very busy for the museum, um, and really exciting to have the open there. Sure. And to be able to watch, uh, you know, him come down the eighteenth, and you know, it was it was an exciting atmosphere and everything. Um, but the last open in St Andrews in twenty fifteen was our busiest period of all time because we had the delay because of the um, bad weather right, and suspension right. of play, which meant it went on to the Monday and on the I think on the Saturday we had to act as. Uh, basically as bodyguards and <laughs> and doormen because the queues into the museum was were so long because people weren't on the golf course because there's nothing to look at right so they came into the museum which was excellent but it, we were operating on a one in one out system because it was so busy in the galleries um and i don't know if we'll ever see that again so it's bad for <laughs> bad for the people who traveled hundreds of miles to watch the golf but great for us sure (laughs) i bet that was a stressful time though it was yeah and you know it's long hours and for everybody involved in running the open and i'm always amazed at my colleagues and how they put on this a major major event and everything you know hopefully everything runs smoothly but um for us it was it was really intense and you know we had been closed for a year to in order to build our cafe which is um, a relatively new addition to the museum and so we'd been closed and then suddenly we're reopened for for the open and we had this just huge influx of visitors who were sad and depressed <laughs> because right. they couldn't see any golf sure but uh, now i know you take great care of these trophies when they're in-house at the museum but you know there's this one item called the clara jug that leaves uh, your hand, so to speak, and is off for a year with the reigning Open champion. Any scary moments or any calls from a champion that uh, said, "Hey, we got a little problem here with the Claire Jug"? Thankfully, no. Um, it's great to see champions enjoying the trophy, and you know, Henrik Sensen had it on a um, jet ski, even which mm-hmm. was worrying. But <laughs> as a curator, you wouldn't necessarily do that. Um, but th- there have not been any breakages or or anything like that. And again, you know, it's a silver trophy. It's delicate. Um, you know, the it's a precious object. But they they know what they've got in their in their hands. In their hands, and um, luckily, there's apart from that cleaning episode, there's been nothing <laughs> terrible <laughs> that's happened that's uh, that I know of, anyway. Sure. Um, what are uh, what are some of the other uh, I are, are some of the other exhibits that you have in the museum that maybe a golf fan or a golfer that's in town playing the old course when they wander in that they're probably going to be most surprised at that they would see. I think our costume displays are really enjoyable and um because what you wear on a golf course golfers are you know they've everyone's got their own individual style and sure. you know I see a lot of people coming to Scotland and St Andrews wearing sort of traditional looks because that's <laughs> where else would you wear plus fours yeah. apart from on the old course absolutely um, and we have you know 
costume from from the women's game and it's an area of interest for me I love the how clothing has developed for golfers you know originally golfers would just go out in the clothes that they had Mm -hmm. you know Tom Morris wouldn't necessarily have had golf clothes he would have had perhaps a nicer suit if he was playing in a competition but he also had to contend with Scottish weather in the winter months when they were playing so just keeping warm was probably of course uh, you know of his what he was thinking about um but for women we have um a great outfit from Gloria Monoprio who played in the 1933 English Ladies Championship and although women had been wearing trousers on and off the course she turned up to the championship wearing a navy pair of trousers that were quite closely cutting you know very nicely um form tailored form fitting yes. there you go um and a, a turtleneck sweater navy turtleneck sweater and a turban on her head she had white makeup and she just used one clique as she was for the whole um of her round so it caused a bit of a sensation and at the time you know nobody had played no woman had played wearing these styles of this style of trouser um in the championship and such a big championship and the, the ladies golf union had to issue a statement apologizing really on her behalf saying you know this is a drop in standards for the women's game and all that kind of thing that you know is so different from today although you know the women's game people are always commenting on what the female players are wearing and male players sure. you know John Daly's outfits Ian Poulter a few years ago you know his uh, quite the, the unusual Union Jack, the Union Jack, Union Jack trousers, trousers yeah. um, all those types of things you know it's fascinating to see the development of, of, of branding as well you know with Jack Nicholas having being one of the first people to have his own brand the Golden Bear um, and we have a, a visor on display um, of his and, and nowadays it's you know it's all about who you're wearing <laughs> which company you're working with sure. and you know we have Tiger Woods's shirts that he wore at the open um when he won and uh, we have we have championship um we have objects from every open champion usually in the in the galleries either a club or an, uh, an an outfit. Or and what's the process for that? When when they win, do you do you make a formal request? Do do they? Ha- what's the process for getting them to donate something? It was quite challenging a few years ago getting access to the players as as museum really? curators. We we don't have direct access to the players, but now um, in the past few years, it's become easier as we have um, a colleague in our championship department who. Um, works with the players on all all levels of the their uh, experience throughout the championship and she has been very good at collating items for us and asking champions to donate something to the museum um obviously if it's a a club they may still be using it and don't want to give up their putter or, or their wedge um but i think you know, we we've just received a, a signed glove from um, Molinari from his his victory this year at Carnoustie, which is in pride of place at the start of the museum. But I think if they know of all the other champions that have also donated, sure. hopefully one day they will come and see <laughs> their <laughs> object on display. Well, you just you just mentioned that that you know the open was just here in fifteen. We just had you just had the senior open here for the first time at St Andrews. 
did you uh, any any notable visitors to the museum during the during the tournament weeks that you can think of? Usually, the players when they're here um, for an open or any other event, they've got a specific schedule, and they're not here to enjoy themselves or here to work. Of course. Um, however, in 2015, you know, we had a special exhibition um, about Tom Watson because it was his farewell to the Open. Mm-hmm. And I, we were very lucky to have an, an evening with him in as a, a an, you know, an exhibition opening with him and his fa- family. And it was really remarkable because he loaned us his five um, replica claret jugs so once you've held the claret jug for the year as a champion you can have a 90% size replica to keep forever and Tom has obviously won it five times so his five claret jugs and to see them all on display was quite amazing really Um, and for him I think it was quite emotional it was an emotional week for him to say goodbye to the Open at St Andrews and um, we had chance to meet him and speak to him and then later on we had an event in the clubhouse with a membership and we had to talk about his, as curators we talked about his victories in front of Tom Watson Wow! <laughs> it was, so I was speaking about his 1983 victory and uh, yeah that was that was nerve wracking that to speak about a man who's had such an impact on the game in front of him and in front of his family and his friends and a lot of <laughs> um, important people in the club and in St Andrews. Uh, but it was really special and I won't won't forget it. And it was, you know, meeting these great champions. You see the effort that they've put in throughout their career. Um, again, in Southport, Last year, um, at a schools event with the Claret Jug, we were lucky enough to have Gary Player come. And Mr. Player's astounding, and <laughs> I don't have to tell anybody who's a golf fan what he, he's done in golf, but also just his attitude to life. And the children, I didn't know how the, uh, you know... How the kids would how react. How the kids would react. There were young children, primary right. school age, so 5 to 11, and even the youngest people there were enthralled by him. And at the back of the room, we had dads and granddads and grannies and uh, and mothers waiting to meet him and see him because sure. they were just it was a small uh, a small school in Southport and in England and it was really amazing to have him there and just he just spoke you know spoke about his life his career um his achievement in the open but also you know what it is to be a good person and sure. healthy living and he's famously he, you know he is a little fit he's just a little bit he, he likes <laughs> his push-ups and sit-ups and uh is not a, not a not ashamed to tell everyone how many mm. uh, how many he does each day. So, wow! So uh, that was really you know th- meeting those two greats was incredible, and uh, you know not many people do get a chance to speak to them. So <laughs> sure, um, and just but generally of just actually speaking, some of our my most memorable moments are speaking to visitors, regular golfers who just are very appreciative to be here what's the farthest distance one of your guests that has traveled to to get to the museum i did meet well maybe to to st andrews yeah i did meet someone from madagascar who was here and i never thought i would ever meet anybody from madagascar um yeah you know we have people from australia from new zealand from all parts of asia who come um and i'm amazed that they're um, stamina really whether they're playing golf you know you golfers will 
go around Scotland and play every course in a few days and <laughs> you still have the salmon have to go to the pub and come to the museum and all these things and it you, I, it's nice being appreciated you know right. <laughs> it's nice that people make the effort to come and I hope they continue to do so oh I definitely think that they uh, definitely think they will it's it's I mean the town's amazing and then just to have that museum right there um it's it's i always stop by when i'm in town just to see what's new and <laughs> see what kind of exhibits are there um thank you hey <laughs> give you a season ticket <laughs> uh, works out good media media press credentials so yes. um so we we let's let's kind of test your knowledge here i, I don't Uh-oh. think I, ne- I i know don't think i need to do that and we're not going to do a trivia contest <laughs> here but let's let's at least get a little bit of history here to most people that may not know so can you give me a brief history of the uh the championship belt that that mm-hmm. young tom morris won yes he won outright so originally you may you know people may be familiar with the open as having the claret jug as the the trophy but it originally when the open was first played at Prestwick in 1860 we the eight competitors played for a challenge belt and if you imagine it as being almost like a boxer's belt or a wrestler's belt right. that we have today so a leather red leather belt with a big silver buckle in the center and it was within the rules of the competition for some reason that if you won it three times in a row it was yours to keep I think this is kind of bad planning on the <laughs> committee's <laughs> Didn't see young part. Tom coming no, down the didn't street. Yeah. I didn't see such a great champion coming. Um, I th- you know, they didn't think that anybody would be good enough to, to do to do that. Um, the first winner was Willie Park Sr., um, a professional from Muscleborough. He, he beat Tom Morris. Um, and Tom Morris had actually laid out the course at Prestwick, mm-hmm. um, and so he was favourite to to sort of go home with the prize, but unfortunately was beaten. Um, but old Tom would go on to win the belt four times. But it was his son, Tommy Morris, young Tom Morris, who would win the belt outright. So he was the youngest ever Open champion. Um, he was uh, 17 when he won the belt, and he won it three times in a row. So in 1870... Um, it was his third victory, and so he took home the belt. And so you can imagine how proud old Tom must have been for his son to to do this. As sure. a, you know, as one of the founding um, people of the championship, old Tom to see his son win this uh, trophy, this belt, this competition for Scottish professionals, it, w- it was a major thing. Um, so they didn't have a championship trophy after that so no no um event in 1871 um but then by 1872 they had commissioned the claret jug um but it wasn't ready and so they gave the champion a gold medal in 1872 and it was Tommy who won it for a fourth time and so we have Tommy's gold open medal on display and it's one of you know one of the top items in our open championship display um, it was the first time a champion was given a gold medal um, and nowadays you know our um, open champions receive the gold medal the claret jug and 
quite a significant <laughs> prize fund. Okay. Um, but the Claret Jug was then ready at the next Open in 1873 when the championship moved from Prestwick to St Andrews. And the winner was Tom Kidd. So that was the first time it was actually presented to a, a champion. But it's Tommy's name who appears first on the engraving. So if you ever get a chance to see the claret jug, if you look on the, the belly of the trophy, on this one side we have the start of the engraving and it's Tom Morris Jr. Um, who has his name engraved first. Um, but the, the trophy itself is, you know, it's called a claret jug and it was similar to the types of jugs that would have been used at the dinner table to serve claret. And claret was a favour favoured red wine, particularly sure. here in St Andrews. You know, golf has always been about enjoying yourself and having a dinner and having wine and maybe some whiskey and all that. And <laughs> it hasn't changed that much. No, that sounds like that sounds like my Thursdays. So um. and and originally the open was for professional golfers and the word professional meant that you were um, a club maker a ball maker you were working in golf green keeper um although that term really wasn't used but keeper of the links sure. um uh, caddy that those were the men that were playing in the competition um and later on they were given prize money um but it wasn't a huge amount um right. but yes yeah, tommy was such a remarkable um, character and it's amazing to think what he might have done in his career had he lived longer because he yep. died at the age of 25 and on christmas day on christmas day that always it always makes me cry <laughs> <laughs> so i don't want to start greeting now but okay. um, uh, there has been a, a recent film made about um Tommy's life and the sort of partnership between him and his father. Um, it's called Tommy's Honour. Yep. Um, and although we weren't completely directly involved, it was just really nice to see that period of history displayed on the screen. And um, it wasn't completely historically accurate throughout, but it's entertainment and yep. it's a nice film. So. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you really know your stuff with golf history. So... Um, <laughs> How often are you talking golf when you're not at work? Like, are you are are you uh, following the professional game a lot now as just like personal interest? To or do you like you know I don't know if this phrase uh, travels over here to Scotland, but do you talk shop a lot when mm. you're outside of work? Some days you do need a break from golf. I won't what? lie. What? what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. No, no I'm, I'm I'm constantly looking up all the scores of all the <laughs> events that are happening throughout the world. No, I mean, for one thing, you do have to have an interest in golf if you work at the Golf Museum sure. or you are representing the R&D if you're going abroad or um, throughout the country and you're talking about golf. It's not that you're expected to know things. Sure. But it's just polite actually and and yes it's personal interest now I think I've become very fond of the the sport and um, its history and I you know I appreciate what people have done before me and um, you know to be able to talk about the, these figures in golf history is, is is great and so to ignore what's going on in the world of golf now would be just couldn't do it no you couldn't um, and 
you know, my dad is, whenever I go home, he's got golf on the TV, so I can't, (laughs) and he's telling me all about what's happening in golf, um, various competitions, I'm going, yes, dad, this is my job, (laughs) (laughs) I know, (laughs) but, you know, whether you follow things online or on Twitter or on the television, then yeah, you have to have an interest, and obviously as a working on our social media and things to be aware of what's happening in golf, aware of golfers um, as well. So in case somebody does come to the museum and say, I'm whoever from wherever, it's, it's good to have a knowledge of, of that. And, you know, I've even taken up golf lessons. I I was just going to get to that. I I just (laughs) recently told me that you've just (laughs) taken up playing and, and so you're taking lessons down at the practice range down by uh, one of the, the St. Andrews uh, learning center, I guess is what it's called. So um, how's that going? It's going relatively smoothly. Um, I have had a shot before and I've been to the driving range. Even when I was a student, I think I did maybe go um, to the driving range just for a laugh. But uh, this is the first time I've had proper lessons. And you know, Easy game, I can, isn't it? It's, it's just so, so easy. It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> no infuriating <laughs> shots, nothing. Um, no, I... I, I I think I'm not a particularly sporty person, but generally, but I think that golf may be the game for me or the sport for me. I enjoy being at the driving range and enjoy learning from these expert teachers. Um, they did say on my first lesson that I had a natural swing, so I'm taking that As and just running with that. There you go. And think, oh, that's it now. And I once got a hole-in-one on the Himalayas putter, putting course. for the, right. So I feel... The signs are all good. Oh yeah. Well, the, the Himalayas are actually <laughs> absolutely no. The Himalayas actually are, are uh, just as a quick plug. I know it's not part of the museum, but the Himalayas. No, it's great. Are fantastic. So the Himalayas is a putting course that's right along. Uh, I guess it's right in between the the old and the new. Yeah, and, just next yeah. to the um, the Links Clubhouse, right near the second tee of the old. So it's. You know, it's an iconic bit of St Andrews history, and it was, it is, still is, um, the course for the St Andrews Ladies Putting Club, who mm-hmm. are actually the oldest female golf club in the world. Yeah. Um, they celebrated their 150th anniversary last year, um, and we had a special exhibition in the museum for that, um, because we look after their trophies and medals for them, um, but. The fact that as a member of the public, you can have a shot on their course is amazing because it, it's called the Himalayas because it's undulating. It's quite a challenge. Yes. Um, and as part of their celebrations, they invited myself and my colleague to go and play a match um, alongside other people from the, the town. And I, I don't know what happened, but yeah, I did get a hole in one. But <laughs> it's not, you know... It's not rare, but for me, it is. Hey, it, it, you always remember your first hole in one. Um, I, I'm. This is a question I want to ask. So you, uh, you have this amazing job title, and when you're out, whether you're traveling all over the the country or, or uh, you know, out in in pubs or meeting people, and someone's and you know, and the natural question that people ask when they first meet someone. Mm. Oh, so what do you do? What do you do for a living? You know, what what what's your career? When you tell people what you do, can you think of a unique uh, story of someone that just was absolutely fascinated and enthralled with, with and just would not 
not leave you alone like wait a minute you get to hold the claret jug and what how you know has anyone just like what's the strangest way someone's tried to like okay so how can i get my hand you know, how can i see the claret jug <laughs> well i think you did <laughs> no that's not no no this is we have, this is professional this is this is a lot of people don't understand you know what a curator is in the first place right. and what my job entails but yes i mean if they're aware of st angie's and aware of of golf they are impressed um my friends have no idea what i do or <laughs> you know have no awareness of um, the importance of some of the objects we look after but um you know i've i've i have met um some people who are just very jealous, very jealous that that's my job and um, that, you know, I'm working in St. Andrews and it's just, right. it's just fascination, I suppose, sure. as, you know, wanting to know more about the trophy and how it all works and um, what the museum does. So, yeah, shock and awe nice. <laughs> as to what I do. Nice. So you, you have, like, you know, we've talked about all these amazing ex- uh, exhibits, all these ma- amazing um, outreach programs that you have. But at the, uh, at the museum, you now have the Upstairs Cafe, which has basically the, the panorama view of the water and the first tea. And it's just, it's a really nice place mm-hmm. to pop in for, for a quick lunch. Yeah. Uh, t- tell me, when did, that, when did that come to be? You know, tell me about that. Before um, the cafe was built, we had a flat roof and we all thought it would be great to have a coffee shop because you know yourself, as soon as you get somewhere you you need a coffee Um, and maybe a scone (laughs) so we built the cafe over a year and reopened in 2015 just as I said before the start of the open Um, it was a huge building um, project and it was you know time consuming for all of us but it was really worthwhile the the cafe is beautiful and we have an amazing view out of, out of the windows and it overlooks the um you know the clubhouse the beach the golf course all of the links and it's really one of the best views in St Andrews um but we have events in there and I host um lectures golf history lectures throughout the the summer months um and they've been really popular with our visitors but also for locals um and just sort of engaging the community a bit more and having a space to do that has been great but the cafe's open um at the same time as the museum so um seven days a week uh, and it's you know a, a lovely place to to come and just if you're not able to visit the museum just enjoy the view and have a coffee absolutely um and, you know, downstairs we have facilities for our visitors and have a shop that sells open merchandise and um, nice things that, you know, but I think our best selling objects are, or items are still postcards. People still love postcards. So absolutely. And a golf ball. You need a St. Andrew's golf ball if you're if you're going sure. to a friend. So that's uh, that's what we've got on offer. <laughs> that's uh, that's great. Um, we have a segment at the back of the range golf podcast called the quick bucket. Typically, there are questions about. Uh, professional golfers i'm going to give you the exact same questions oh dear oh yeah so we'll see if we can tailor them a little bit but the there's two that we typically ask so one is um tiger woods uh, i'm sorry uh, jack nicholas won the masters in 1986 yes he's the oldest he was the oldest oldest he was 46 years old Mm -hmm. compare that to a major championship that tiger woods would win now maybe Tiger winning another Masters, which victory would you think would be the more substantial? Oof. 
<laughs> that is a question. I mean, for for Tiger, after all that he's been through or, uh, you know, lived through, and uh, for him to come back and win another major, I think, would be what a lot of people are hoping for and are willing him on to do so. And, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the last wee while, he seems to be gaining form and, um, and doing well. So I think... I think maybe Tiger coming back and winning That's would, a, would that, be my would be my pick. Although you know I do love the the older champions as well. So sure. uh, I mean his his victory at forty six is or Nicholas's victory at forty six was amazing. So. Do want to take away from Mr. Nicholas? No, that's that's a perfect <laughs> answer. It's kind of split down the middle actually with all, all the guests we're having on the on the podcast. So another one is. If you can give a major championship, and we'll tailor it to, if you can give a claret jug to any player in history, Ooh. who would it be? Ooh. Well, I'd, I'd quite like to uh, give a claret jug to a female champion, a female player. Um, and, you know, it's not known that women can enter the Open, and they just haven't yet. So <laughs> I would quite like to see um, a female golfer enter the open and do and do well um, i was not aware of that yeah. so if so a woman can go through open qualifying yeah she can she can enter enter the open so i'm not aware of all of the all of the rules for for entries for the open but okay. um women can play so i would like to see either a current female champion do well or perhaps give it to a historical um uh, golfer somebody like Joyce Weatherid who Bobby Jones said was one of the most uh, impressive golfers he'd ever seen um she was a, a ladies amateur champion uh, but I think you know maybe in my lifetime we'll see a female champion of go. the claret jug so those are amazing stories I really appreciate taking the time to uh share a little bit about the British Golf Museum how it's important for people that are in town make it a point to stop by and see the exhibits you know, see the cafe, do some shopping, make it a part of your, your trip to St. Andrews. Um, Hannah, really appreciate the time. Thanks for being at the back of the range. And, Thank and, you, Ben. And, and, and I'll, I'll see, I'll keep trying to get in that glass <laughs> case to see if I can just see that. Never, cl- never, never. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, Ben. All right. Okay, well. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll win. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. But, well, I appreciate you stopping by, and uh, we'll do it again uh, next year when I come back. Great. Looking forward to it. And there you have it. Another great episode here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Cannot thank Hannah Fleming enough for her time when I was visiting in St. Andrews. If you're heading to St. Andrews, you better put the British Golf Museum on your list of things to do while you're in town. I have their website link in the show notes of this podcast. So make sure you go check that out. Again, if you like the podcast, leave a review. Tell your friends. Post it on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Let's get this thing in front of as many people as possible. And don't worry, I'll be back next week with another episode here at the back of the range.